Welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Monday, September 11th. I'm Zach Rosen. I host another show. It's called The Best Advice Show. And I am dad to Noah, who is six, and Ami, who is going to be three really soon. We live in Detroit. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom of three littles, Henry, who's 11, Oliver, who's nine, and Teddy, who's six. We live in Tokyo, Japan. I'm Jamila Lemieux. I'm a writer, contributor to Slate's Karen Beating Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who is 10, and we live in Los Angeles. Today on the show, we have an interesting question about allowance. Our letter writer has had enough of her young child asking for things every time they go out. She's wondering if an allowance might help. We've got some thoughts. Then we'll answer a very common but important question. How do you balance life as a working parent? Then we'll wrap up today with a round of recommendations. But let's start with our question. Hi, mom and dad are fighting. I would love to know your feelings about allowances. My four and a half year old wants to buy all sorts of new things. Trucks, books, stuffies, new clothes. And sometimes we'll treat him to new things, but he mostly gets presents for Hanukkah and his birthday. It kind of makes me think that our kiddo might be ready for an allowance so he can save up and buy things occasionally. But I have so many questions. What's the right amount of money for a four-year-old? Does he always get an allowance, or is it tied to chores? Also, introducing the concept of earning money does kind of feel complicated. So what advice do you have about how I should be talking to my kid about money at this age? Thanks so much, money bags. I have some very strong thoughts about allowance. <laughs> Hit it. Um, I do not think that allowance should be tied to like household chores or things that you do as a family. Because I think it sets up this idea that you should get paid for doing some of those things. And and I have to caveat that with saying, like, we all know that I have paid my children to do things. (laughs) I continue to pay my children. Here in Japan, I am paying them to try new foods. Like, I am literally offering them money to put food in their mouth. Um, wait, 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 wait. Just quickly, what is the, how does that work? The, weird, the weirdest thing they've tried and how much have they earned? I mean, to be clear, I don't always know what we're trying. But um, <laughs> we went to this restaurant. We ordered some fish. It came out like half tempura'd, half sashimi. Um, Ooh, so like raw. I and I was like, uh-huh. anyone that swallows one of these raw things can have 100 yen. And like they all put it in their mouth and swallowed it. Two of them said they would do it again. Uh, I said, would you do it again, you know, without being paid? I'm not paying for the second time. And two of them <laughs> did. So I nice. feel like it's working. But um, so this to Anyways. say, I money can be a great motivator. But I think that in this case, if you start tying it to doing things that have to do with household chores. So, um, you know, you only make this money if you clear the table. You only make this money if you make your beds, things like that, that you end up in a situation where they feel that helping or caring for the home, like your space that you're all sharing, is something that they should be paid for. And in my opinion, those are things that we do to exist as a family. So there are Hmm. jobs that we do that you are not paid for, but we do because we want to be a functional family. So I think whether you do it or not is maybe something someone else is going to answer. But I think that Allowance should be a tool for teaching money and how to use money and how to have, save, spend, share money. Uh, It should not be tied to these basic chores. You can certainly add them to extra chores. I have done that, allowed the kids to pick up like, quote unquote, jobs around the house for some of these bigger jobs that I would not assign um, to them or that don't need to be done daily, weekly. 
Um, but really, I, I think you can get, and I've seen friends get into trouble by mingling these like daily chores with money. Um, so I think I'll start there. I have more to say, but uh, yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on where you are. I agree that allowance shouldn't be directly connected to doing things around the house. The kids should just get in the habit of being a contributor to the household and realize that that's their obligation and they're not going to get paid for it. I don't know how I feel about a four-year-old getting allowance. I think there's a time in a child's life where you should just get to enjoy the magic of your parents buying your stuff. You know, like... I wanted the thing and I got the thing and I wanted the thing and I didn't get the thing. You know, it doesn't mean that you buy them everything that they want or that they're constantly getting new things. But I think on occasion, yeah. it's fine to just say, here's a new stuffy because you wanted a new stuffy, you know. Um, I suppose you could practice giving them money so they can save up. I just feel like at four, that's just going to be such a difficult concept to comprehend anyway. And like, by the time they've saved up for something, are they even still interested in it anymore? You know, like, <laughs> I would just like, I, I mean, money is just such an evil, terrible, difficult part of our existences. And I think that it's okay for a very little person to not have to worry about it, to just you know, I want things and sometimes I get them. I agree. Like Ami asked me about money the other day. I'm trying to th remember the, the context, but he asked me what money was. And I was I, like, I almost started crying. Like, do I need to start explaining this shit to you? Um, you're not even three. I'm interested in what you two think about like, okay, if you're not, because my, my allowance growing up was always tied to my chores. Um, putting my laundry away and taking out the garbage and later mowing the lawn. Those were the kind of trifecta. Um, if your kids aren't contributing to the domestic work in your house, are you withholding the, that cache? Well, I think that's the problem, like with tying it to things, is that it, one, robs you of the opportunity to teach money, which I will say with the older kids giving them so we just like give the kids money like the kids get money and we are learning to manage money so like a allowance in our house is like this is your weekly allotment and these are the things that you are responsible for paying for right that you can use your money on like we were really clear about the things like we provide and the things that they provide i just think it gets really sticky when you have to withhold money. Like, what if they technically do the chore, but it's not good enough, right? Like, I, I just think there are things like that that become really sticky and and stop you from being able to teach kids about money, about what it feels like. Like, I just, I feel good that my 11-year-old has at some point spent all his money and then wanted something and knew that he had spent it on something he didn't really care about, right? Like, he's made a bunch of bad purchases, but he's done that now. And so now, as a result of that, he is a real saver with his money because he is understanding the the value of it, right? And and we can be some guidance to that. Have you withheld... You don't tie yours to chores, Jamila, right? No. Yeah. Naima doesn't get an allowance. Uh, she gets money here and there. She usually has money left over from her birthdays, but she doesn't yeah. get an allowance yet at this point. I've thought about it, but um, 
she also has most of her little needs met and she's not really like going out with friends to the mall yet you know or going with someone else's moms to the movies that like there's it's so rare that she needs money Mm-hmm. But she's starting to take an interest in it. So I don't know. Maybe it's time for me to start thinking about it seriously because she likes to buy things online. Yeah. And she's constantly asking about, can I have a cash? <clears throat> she has a cash app account. And one of her grandmothers gives her money there sometimes. Um, but she's always asking, can I have a bank account? Can I, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's time. Money, this topic of money scares me. I'm not good with it. It stresses me out. So I think that's part of the reason that I haven't done more to really you know, educate her about it. I know she's gotten more education about it from her father, thankfully. Mm -hmm. I did a little research. I went to um, credit.org, which is this independent nonprofit financial counseling agency. And they gave some tips for if you are going to uh, start giving allowance. One of the things they said was don't give them advances um, because (laughs) by not giving them advances, you're teaching them to like spend carefully. and spend within their means, which I thought was was smart. Um, and they also suggested if you're figuring out like how much to give your kid, um, let them make their age is like a rule of thumb they suggest, which feels that feels reasonable to yeah. me. Um, like for the for your four year old, four bucks a week, sixteen bucks a month. I mean that'll that can buy some gumballs. They actually do think that tying the allowance to your child's household obligations is a good idea um though i totally hear what you're saying elizabeth and kind of i don't really know where where i fall there because we haven't started to do this yet with noah but yeah it's such an interesting thing because it's not just about allowance once we start giving our kids allowance right like this is that you're saying you're kind of saying like welcome to capitalism which is such a complicated thing I want to, sorry, circle back to Jamila talking about being four, because I agree that this is too young and that some of what you need to be teaching at four in respect to money is that stuff costs money. We get money by working and it's not infinite, right? And learning, I think at those ages, you're almost teaching this, like, we don't buy something every time we go to the store lessons, but sometimes we can get things, right? And that Uh I will always... Like, I'm here to meet your needs. I think, though, that is what you're teaching about money at four. Um, yeah. And and just kind of getting down the, like, hey, we looked at this thing at the store. This is super cool. Um, I know when when my kids were that age, and still for Teddy, like, we still think he's largely too young for, like, money buying power. Like I said, I am paying them to do <laughs> things they don't want to do um fish. sure 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 yes uh, i've given many examples of things i've paid the children to do on this podcast but having them say like hey would you like to add this to your birthday list and i just keep a little list on the phone of things they've asked me to for birthday for christmas for those times when people ask about gifts and then periodically we review that and i also think that's good for them to see like hey remember we were walking through that store and you wanted this thing but now four weeks later or two months later, you don't even know what that is. Like, I think that is a good lesson. Um, Something all of my kids really enjoyed at around this age was um, Elmo has like a saving, spending, sharing at the time um, that Henry was growing up. It was a podcast, which might still exist. It is definitely a YouTube video called Elmo's Mm. Three Jars. I I love it. He basically, as he gets money, puts them into a saving jar, a saving 
spending and sharing jar and it goes into like what is in each of those. And I think that that is a great structure for sort of beginning to understand money that like it's okay to have some that we spend on things that we kind of want. I want that, you know, walking home. I want that ice cream or pizza or whatever I think is the example they use. Um, But we also want to be saving some for bigger things or for rainy days. And then we also like want to have some that we can share, like be that a charity or buying a gift for a friend. Um, And I think listening to that really young, so like at three, four, five, just sort of set up this concept. um, Because as the kids are making money, we we have put it in a bank account and they can um, check the accounts on our like on the phone or on the app and we always talk about how like well a third of that is essentially what they actually have to spend yeah i mean kind of going off of what jamila was saying about like four is still a time when it's like fun just to buy your kids some stuff my rule of thumb like because noah will inevitably like we're at the drugstore and she'll like pick up some crappy toy and like look all cute and like not quite ask me but like hold it in front of her um and I, I, I think I say no, like, four out of five times or eight or nine out of ten times. So, like, it is fun to do the spontaneous. Sure, let's get it. But, like, it's such an exercise, too, in just, like, saying no to your kids and and in your kids learning to take no for an answer. Like, I think that's probably more important than, like, the occasional, you know, trinket that you do by them. So, as long as you're, like, doing a lot of that, I think, in between the the sporadic purchase, I think, like, that's that's probably helpful. Well, and for kids, it's so like, because we're not really dealing in cash that much, I, I think these little ones don't always understand, right? Like, yeah. we take the stuff to a counter, we like tap our card, and then we get the mm-hmm. stuff. Like, it mm-hmm. it is not very tangible. And I think tying the like, this came out of, you know, our account, and it's actual money, and I'm going to exchange this for the goods is, is something that a, a four or five year old can start to grasp. Well, Moneybags, we hope this helps. We would also love to know how other listeners are approaching allowances and money talk in general. If you have any tips or tricks to share, email us at slate.com or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. All right, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back here with another question. We're back and ready to hear our second question. Hey, mom and dad. How do working parents manage to actually make sure their kids get to see their friends? My husband and I both work 40 hours a week when we're lucky. We have a school-age kid and a toddler. And I'm starting to get this nagging feeling that our unavailability, especially during the after-school period, is starting to impact our kids' social lives. Our elementary school kid is in before and after-school care during the school year. And even when we do have the time to potentially host playdates... Our condo is really small and it has no outside space. And quite honestly, when we're done with cleaning and shopping and all the other errands, there's barely time for us to do anything. We also have this dog who's good with us, but kind of bad with everyone else. It's complicated. I've been looking around to figure out how other people do this. And my mom was a teacher. My sister's a teacher. Most of my other mom friends are teachers or in education, so they have the summers off. So I don't really have a model on how to balance this. So any advice would be appreciated. Thanks, working parents. Uh, I can relate to this. I once worked a very demanding job, and there were very few play dates during that time. Um, you know, it's something that you just, to the best of your ability, you make time for, you know. Um, 
You don't have to host them in your house. You can go to the park. You can go for ice cream. You know, like I think people think of playdates as being these long, epic adventures, mm-hmm. but you can really just go get ice cream. You know, like it's just a matter. It's just about getting some quality time with one of your friends outside of the school environment. You can go to the playground. You can go to a movie. I understand that when you're done with the cleaning and the shopping, there really isn't time to do anything else as a family in the weekend. But you need to make time for your child to have friends outside of the family, you know. So you could say maybe once a month. Um, It doesn't have to be an all the time sort of thing. You know, that on a Sunday afternoon, once you've done your grocery shopping and your laundry, that you'll commit to taking your child somewhere to go hang out with one of their friends for an hour or two. You know, it's just a matter of prioritizing something like this. And you'll be surprised that it's, you know, easier than you think. And also, once you get into a rhythm of having playdates with other parents, Sometimes these other parents will be taking your child. So you may have the opportunity to drop your child off at a friend's house and then you can go grocery shopping or meet up with them somewhere and you can bring a book and get some reading done for work. But it's worth the sacrifice. You know, it's worth the sacrifice. And also, like, as somebody who grew up in a really small apartment, like a one bedroom apartment, and I you know, the older I got, I, I didn't want to have friends over because I was embarrassed to how small our place was. I think of when I was younger and when I had friends over, I had a blast. You know, it didn't matter that I didn't have a big space. Mm-hmm. I was just happy to have my friend there playing with me. I think you'd be surprised that kids are not sitting around counting the square footage in your condo you know, or regretting that there's no outdoor space. If there's a place for them to sit down and play a board game or to draw some pictures, they will be pleased. But I understand the dog issue. You you do have to be mindful yeah. of that. I completely agree with Jamila that you just have to make this fit in somehow, some way, even if that means things are less tidy or you're, um, you know getting a little bit less errands done or, or things like that. Like, where can you let some things go to have your child, your school-age child, uh, uh, have some time with friends? I think don't pass by to the opportunity to, like, drive a friend from place A to place B, right? Like, if you have someone that's going the same way. I don't know. My kids have a great time if we can just, like, have another kid in the car um, chatting, like, getting some of that friendship time. Is there, you know, an opportunity where you can uh, just soak up the like 10, 20 minutes, even just like 30 minutes between activities where you can, you know, say like, oh, well, I can just like watch her help move this kid from point A to point B, or we have this weird gap time between school or whatever, where you can supervise at a park, something like that. And I do think the more you do that, the more like those offers will come too. Ask a friend, like, hey, we'd love to watch her while you, you know, this friend, like, while you go grocery shopping. Like, I think um, those are really, like, helpful, but also really fun and really limited time, you know, play dates. Yeah. I think there's something fundamentally vulnerable about reaching out to someone in your community and asking them for help, asking them to watch your kids. But I think that it is entirely worth it. Um, the first time we had Ami go to a neighbor's house was this summer because I was out of town working and Shira had a work thing. Um, 
and he has uh, a friend across the street who is his age. We thought, like, is he ready to do this? He hasn't done this before. And we asked them, can you watch him for a while? Um, and they did. It went well. And it just really opened up this um, this world of sharing, um, you know, sharing labor with the neighbors. And you might not even need to find someone their age. Like, if there's, like, a cool, you know older person in your condo complex like this is going to make their week if they're if if they're if your kid is comfortable with them and vice versa like there is a world in which the elderly guy who lives downstairs you know can teach your kid how to play bumper pool uh you know while you're at work and um i think if you get over that initial hump of asking for help you can certainly return the favor um by you know say say it is a a scenario where it's not your kid going to another kid's house it's going to this elderly person's house like they watch your kid you cook them dinner you have them over um so like i think that there is um so much potential when you just kind of realize that there is a kind of a reciprocal aspect of like your kids are going to light up someone's day um and you can do something in return um you know depending on the context and scenario and stuff that's a good idea i want to mention every time we say like ask someone for help do this <laughs> someone will inevitably write in and be like i did ask and the person said no and it was terrible and i was embarrassed and i want to say yeah. um to those of you thinking that's what happened to me like first that sucks and i'm sorry and two like totally. not everyone has the capacity to say yes but just because someone said no does not mean that you should not ask someone else uh yeah if the person said no uh they're either a terrible person or they don't have the capacity to say yes right and and that yeah. just wasn't meant to be your person. But I would hate to think that because you reached out to one person and they said no, that you don't reach out to, to someone else. Uh, I'm looking at the letter and you're talking about like how all the mom friends are like teachers. So one, if they're teachers and they're telling you that they have time over the summer, right, or they have this particular time, that's a time to reach out to them. But um, what you could do for them is offer to take their kid in the morning, right? Like they're getting into school or whatever time. Go for a half hour early and watch their kid on the playground or hang out there. Like there mm -hmm. are ways to be helpful for this, um, like for this scenario where you can also be helpful to them and get your kid some time. And I think then feel better about saying over the summer, like, hey, I still work, but, you know, my kid would love to play with your kid. Is that something that you could facilitate? Um, you know, and if they say no, they say no, and it's okay. Like, you're not a bad person because you asked. No, it's really good. It's really good practice to yeah. ask, I think. And play days make kids so happy, you know? Like, I mean, my daughter, who has not had a ton of them, uh, she had one recently, and she was just over the moon. You know, like, it reminds me how important it is to make time to do this because... She was just so overjoyed. It was one of her best friends from school, and it was their first time hanging out together outside of school. And they were just dancing and singing and had an absolute blast. You know, you'll find that it is worth the sacrifice. It's just a sacrifice that you have to make. It's part of the job. You know, we have to make sure that our parent, our children are having positive social interactions. You know, we can't leave it entirely up to the school. There's nothing like hearing two kids sitting in the other room just like laughing over something so stupid. Mm. 
mind that is just like, like, and you know that there's not time to do that at school. Yeah. There's just not that like safe, unstructured time to just be silly about things. Yeah. Well, working parents, please let us know how it goes. Other listeners, we know there's a lot of you out there who are balancing this too. Who isn't? What advice do you have for our listener? Email us at momanddad at slate.com or send us a voicemail at 646-357-9318. All right, let's move on to recommendations. Jamila, what are you recommending this week? Hey, don't have a kid-friendly recommendation this week. Um, I have recently become obsessed with Curb Your Enthusiasm. All right. I know it's... I know it's yeah. not a new show. Uh, it's something that I've watched here and there over the years, but never really stuck with. I knew I liked it, um, but I had been binging it the last few weeks. I think I'm up to season six, and I'm obsessed with it. It's so offensive. It's so ignorant. Um, <laughs> but it is just a really funny show, and it's great. You know, If you're like me and you need something to go to sleep, it's a good go-to-sleep show. Love I that. love Curb, and I don't think it gets better than those first six seasons. Yeah, um, but it's there's also there's inevitably something hilarious that happens each episode. I think the problem with later Curb is that Larry, I mean, to begin with, he can be he can be grating, but like I think early on in the series, I kind of um, empathized with his moral compass. But as as the show gets goes on more, he just kind of becomes like an out of touch you know, uh, bizarro guy, but yeah. I, I, the first couple seasons I think are as good as anything ever. I'm excited for you, Elizabeth. Okay. My life here is a mess and I, we almost always have like a command center place to keep track of everything, which I can't really do here, but a friend recommended, um, getting a fridge calendar and I found this lovely. It's like acrylic. It's so nice. I have a magnetic fridge here and, uh, it is like two parts. One is like your normal calendar, but the other is kind of this weekly checklist. And it has been like the one organized little spot um, that's perfect. And just being able to write like which uniforms the kids need to be in, what needs to be done each day, who's where up in a place where we can all see it. Um, But I don't always love how messy calendars are. And this one is just so great. And you know, it's dry erase. And so we can change it each month. It's been just really helpful. Really still looks very neat. So um if you don't have a little command center or you're looking for one, I'm really enjoying this fridge calendar. Nice. I have a book recommendation. I guess it would be considered a YA book, but I'm reading it myself. I had I had the goal of reading it with Noah, but that hasn't worked quite yet. Um, it's by one of my favorite authors, Dave Eggers. It's his latest. It's called The Eyes and the Impossible. Um, and it is a book entirely from the perspective of a dog named Johannes, who lives um, in a park. I, I, f- I, figure, I feel like it's like based on like Golden Gate Bark Park. I said Golden Gate Bark. <laughs> um, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco. Um, it's, it's beautifully told. Um, it's kind of like parable in, in tone, um, but it's also hilarious. I found myself laughing out loud the other day. The cover is like um, actually, it's like woodbound um, with this beautiful engraving of a tree. Uh, Dave Eggers always puts out like beautiful aesthetic um like the book itself is often gorgeous he's the the founder of mcsweeney's and uh and the believer but um i'm always here for his work he wrote the circle heartbreaking work of staggering genius um you shall know your you shall know our velocity um but 
this new one, it's very fun to read. And I'm hoping one day that like Noah will want to sit with me and read this. But for now, I'm enjoying it myself. And I am not um, a young adult. All right. This episode of Mom and Dad are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Maura Curry. Alicia Montgomery is VP of Slate Audio for Elizabeth Newcamp and Jamila Lemieux. I'm Zach Rosen. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.